When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker-Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process and for authors to learn valuable tips on producing and marketing your audiobooks. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Today we're going to talk about audiobook interrupters. These are things that can interrupt the flow of the text, and they can come in all sorts of forms and varieties. Let's go ahead and get started. As I said, today's topic is going to cover many things that can become interrupters in an audiobook from the listener's perspective. As always, we're really wanting to pay attention to creating the greatest possible listening experience. By doing so for each project, we have the best chance for many things, including great word of mouth, people telling their friends about your audiobook, also great reviews, and of course, as a result of those things, and just in general, probably higher sales. In addition to that, there's the greater chance for more impact with your audiobook on your audience. Now, I'm referring to these different components, these different elements that we're going to go over as interrupters in the audiobook listening experience, but they don't have to be. The way to keep them from feeling like interrupters is to prepare well during pre-production. If you don't, then you may end up getting your narrator to record the book in a different order than you might like or adding things that you don't really want in there and then having to edit those out in post-production. Or the narrator might omit things that you intended to keep. So clarity and really figuring out what exactly you want that listening experience to be during the pre-production phase will really save a lot of time, energy, and potentially money as you have your project produced. So, what are some of these interrupters? Well, there's a project that we're working on now that uh, gives a great example of this, and it's a book that has many, many annotations. Annotations are notes of explanation or comment that are added to a text or diagram as sort of marginal comments. So they are pulling information in that is additional to the main text. So footnotes or endnotes, these are very common ways of handling or expressing, I guess, annotations. In this particular book that we're working on, there are many annotations, and there are several per page. Some of them are quite long. And it's still very helpful information, 
But the question is, how do we handle including those annotations in a way that will be the best listening experience? Now, as a general rule, when we are working on a particular project, we want to have a consistent pattern of whatever it is that we're doing. So, as an example of that, a simple one would be if we're going to say uh, the year 2021, we want to always say it as 2021 and not sometimes as 2021 and other times as 2021. This kind of consistency can be really helpful in creating an overall very professional feel and sound to your audiobook. Another example, uh, using punctuation this time, might be how do you handle using a slash? So sometimes, for example, you might have either or, either slash or, and slash or. Most of the time with those, we would just do it like and or, just leaving a slight pause. And yet there are other times when you really need to say the slash for it to make sense. In any case, finding what the patterns are going to be and using them consistently can be very helpful. There are, however, times when the consistency factor becomes less of a priority than a positive listening experience. And what I mean by that is, as in the example of this audiobook that we're producing, there are times where we're going to be gathering all of the annotations, the footnotes, and putting them at the end of the chapter, allowing the listener then to have all of those grouped together and doing it as a separate track. So that means that they make will and will give a note at the beginning so that they understand what the format is for these. But by creating a separate track, for the annotations section, it allows them to jump ahead if they don't want to listen to the annotations. And so that is going to be the general rule. Now, there are some tricks that are some challenging things that we have to deal with when taking this approach. The first is making sure that those grouped comments are still going to make sense to the listener when they're pulled away from the text that they're referring to. So, as an example, if we have this person was born in 1928, and then the footnote says, in Washington County, Oregon, that's, if you pull that comment away from the first part of the sentence, then it won't make sense. So, in a situation like this, we either need to incorporate that text right into the part with the main text, or we could extend the note so that it creates a full sentence so that the sense is added back into that sentence. So we then we would say, this person was born in that date in Washington County, Portland, or Oregon, something like that. Another way to handle that would be to potentially omit that one if it feels like it's not really critical information for the listener. So when grouping these footnotes, these annotations, 
it's important to make sure that they, as a narrative, will make sense. Because if they don't, there is no point in including them. Now, there may be other moments in which the text has a a lengthy footnote. And to recreate that footnote, it maybe it doesn't make as much sense to pull information from the text into the footnote for that narrative to be clear at the end of the chapter. Then it may make more sense, even though it would break the consistency pattern of having all annotations together at the end of the chapter. It may make more sense to include it in the moment where that appears within the text. What's in the balance in making that decision is a combination of things. So the top priority always is best listener experience. And with that as the goal, there's going to be some uh, interpretive and creative evaluation around how to best handle each situation for each footnote and each grouping of footnotes when they are grouped together at the end. One thing I want to highlight and that uh, many people are not really clear on is that the text itself, and I'm talking about printed text here, does not need to 100% match your audio. Now, I want to talk about some other ways to handle footnotes, because even though I'm using this example where there are many footnotes and we are taking a different kind of approach than we typically would, here are some other options that you might use if you have fewer footnotes that you still want to incorporate. Again, you don't have to use 100%. They're all in or they're all out. You get to pick and choose. You want to make sure, however, that if you think that your audience may want to know about all of the footnotes, and yet you're planning to incorporate only the key ones, some of them, some portion, then you'll want to let them know where they can see all the footnotes. So I recommend your website being the place for that. Or it might be that you want to encourage them to purchase the ebook or print book, and maybe you have some special offer for them if they've already purchased the audiobook. In any case, you want to let them know where they can find all of that information that may be of value to them. You'll also want to let them know at the beginning if you're planning to only include selected footnotes. You may want to tell them that so that they are aware of what's going on. And then, when you get to a footnote, you can either say note or footnote or footnote two, whatever the number is, and you'll want to make this decision based on, like, if you're doing numbers, then you are probably in a situation where you think your audience may want to know about all of the footnotes and may be referencing the place that you have provided them. Another option, and this I do not generally recommend as a way to do it, but for your particular book, it might be a better fit, and that is to use some kind of sound effect 
as an indication that a footnote is starting and ending. Uh, what I didn't mention earlier, if you're going to say note or footnote or any of those, you'll also want to say at the end, end footnote or end note, things like that. Again, all of this is so that your listener doesn't get confused, doesn't get lost, is really clear on what they're listening to, and that way they're going to have the best experience. Okay, so we dug kind of deep in on the footnotes, endnotes, annotations piece. Let's take a short pause, and when we come back, we'll talk about some other kinds of interrupters that you may be dealing with. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working with authors who have a big goal in mind. They really want to reach out to their audience around the world. We're here to help make that happen. It starts with our pre-production process, where we're evaluating and determining what elements of the audiobook we can leverage to both create an excellent listener experience for your listeners, as well as drawing them to your website to engage with you further. It continues on through the production process, making decisions that will enhance and support your big goals, as well as creating a great listener experience. But we don't stop there. Once the audiobook is live, we move on to helping you market your audiobook with the Audiobook Marketing Program. Come check us out at ProAudioVoices.com. To schedule a call to talk about your audiobook project, click on Get Started. Okay, so what are some other things that can interrupt the flow of the listening experience? A short list would include visuals such as photos, illustrations, graphs, tables, all kinds of uh, diagrams, things like that. Other potential interrupters are sidebars or pull-out quotes. Let's start first with the pull-out quotes because these are in many ways the easiest. If the pull-out quotes are literally pull-out quotes, in other words, that text is already included and you're just using it as a visual in your text versions, so your print book, your ebook, you're using them to create visual interest or to or to draw the reader in with those bigger pieces that they can catch with their eye if they want to scan quickly to get some ideas, then you just want to omit them because they're already in there and you don't need to say them twice. Let's talk next about sidebars. Sidebars are really a valuable information and it's important to find out or to figure out where they should land. Because in a text format, you have a lot of visual layout that you're trying to manage and you want to make sure that it looks good on the page. And so those are the considerations. They're all visual considerations. They are not audio considerations at all. Most often, if you have subtitles in your audiobook and the sidebars fit within the context or the content are related to the content of a particular subtitle, then you want to most often include that frequently at the end of that section, but not always. It's really going to depend on where it best fits in the flow of your content. 
Now, you could handle it in a number of different ways, depending on how you've chosen to incorporate that sidebar, to utilize that sidebar. If, for example, you have a testimonial in your sidebar, and it is an example of how working with you as a coach or whatever has benefited one of your clients, and you've just referred to that person or that situation, and then you continue your narrative, inserting it at that point might make the most sense. And there are ways to handle that 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 can work really well. We produced the audiobook of The Human Side of Agile by Gil Broza, and this was the case in his One of the things that worked really well in that was actually incorporating additional voices to do those sidebar stories. It gave it more of the feel of hearing from the actual people that he worked with and allowed us to set those sidebars apart from the regular text without actually having to say sidebar. So that's one way to approach it. In any case, regardless of how you handle that distinction between the sidebars and the main text, you'll need to decide first where it's going to be placed, where it fits best. We recently launched the audiobook for Donna Griffith, Sticking to My Story, in which she had many sidebars and she was very meticulous about where they would be placed and they were not always at the end of a subsection. So it's something to give thought to in terms of where the best placement will be. Other interrupters that may be visuals, you'll want to consider things like, is the information in the visual something that is integral to the content? In other words, is it used primarily for visual interest by those who are experiencing your content using one of the visual formats of text, ebook or print book, or is it actually adding content? So when you refer to the diagram or the image or whatever, is there additional content not already described in the narrative that is coming from seeing that visual? Many times that is the case. And for those times and those visuals, you want to get really clear on how you can explain what that additional information is in a narrative format. In other words, take the picture out because you're not going to be able to show it to your listeners. Well, I'll come back to that. But, and, and just imagine how you can explain it to somebody who doesn't have it in front of them. Then you can also offer for them to see it visually, preferably on your website or possibly in one of your other formats of your book. I generally prefer to encourage people to go to the website and to provide that information there. And there are a couple reasons for that. One is it's better for you from a marketing perspective. And also, I feel like if people have purchased the audiobook, they should, fairly, receive all the content that is in the other formats. So, inviting them to your website in an appropriate way 
In other words, you don't want your audiobook to sound like a sales pitch or like you're driving them to your website. You're inviting them to receive the content, receive the gifts that you have created and have made available to them as the audiobook listener, they're your customer that you're very grateful to. And that covers the majority of the kinds of interrupters that we might experience. If there are others that I'm not thinking of now and you are facing, I encourage you to reach out to me. Come to us at proaudiovoices.com. You can schedule a call and we can talk then, or you can also reach out to us by email. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope that this information has been helpful. Have an awesome day and make all your audiobooks great ones. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.